0: Ah, Good morning, y'all. Yes, (laughs) I went to a birthday party of a friend yesterday and had ribs and potato salad. They're they're really good people. Um, It was wonderful celebrating their birthday. Okay, let's just cut the crap. Let's just get right down to it. Um, Because I'm in one of my get-down-to-it moods. Because when I see something that's so obtuse, I feel like I've got to, you know, skip the... Skip the lengthy introduction and get right to it. Um, I'm political in the sense that that I like discussion of politics, but but not the discussion that a lot of people like. For instance, comparing Donald Trump to Joe Biden and all that. I mean, you know, come on, you know, <laughs> the comparisons are, are so extreme and opposite. It's just not comparing the two is not worth it to me. One has his hair, one doesn't, one reads from cue cards, one talks right off the top of his mind. So in other words, those you know, those comparisons and and such don't they don't do anything for me. So when I'm talking to someone who you know is is the type of person who likes to talk uh, well excuse me. So when I talk to someone who's the type of person who likes to Um, likes the discussion to be around comparing the two politicians as individuals, as people. Um, You know, their mannerisms and all that kind of stuff. It's a waste of time for me. Uh, When I discuss politics, I like to discuss the meat of politics, policies, long-term projections, the economy, all that kind of stuff, our freedoms, the Constitution. Um... One thing ah Shiza, sorry about all these yawnings. I'm just I just woke up like a half an hour ago, so the cobwebs have swept, but the body is slowly acclimating to, you know, being awake, you know, so I'm I'm coming along. Um I have friends across the spectrum from far right (laughs) <laughs> you know, if they could tote an AR-15 into a Walmart underneath a, you know, a, a trench coat, they would do it. I mean, so I have some friends who are far, far right. And then I have, ah, excuse me, friends who are far, far left. And then I have everything in between. Um, And the conversations are, are pretty similar uh, between the two. And that is when I talk to people, um, friends on the far left or on the far right. Um, both of them are very. When I and I'm not going to say extreme, though they are. Um, and the the extremeness comes from comparing the two. Um, both of them, uh, they they can't really be reasoned with. That's the truth. They're, um, it's almost like they're afraid to discuss things in depth because somehow it's going to affect their narrative. So they'll say the same things over and over, and you talk about facts and evidence. And I'm talking about both sides, far right, far left. You talk about fa- facts and evidence in neither group. Uh, uh, excuse me. Neither individual too. If you're talking to an individual, neither one of them really wants to discuss that. No, they will immediately go to the personality argument. Um, For instance, my far right friends, I'll say, I'll, I'll say, for instance, you know, well, yeah, the Democrats right now they're screwing things up. But I said, you got a couple Democrats in there who are not going along with it because they know it's not the right thing to do with it. And then, so what he'll say is, no, well, you know, look at all, you know, this is someone on the far, far right. Remember that. So I'll say that and he'll say, well, yeah, but you know, look at everything Biden's doing. Blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, it's like, even though I mentioned that there's two who have kept quite a bit, humans who have kept quite a bit of um, bad legislation going through, who have brought front and center um, to the American people what Biden's trying to do and, and the way it will you know, affect Americans and such, they act like that's nothing. When it is unbelievably important that Joe Manchin and Christian Simona, um were in opposition and kept – his uh pro some of his programs going through that would have been disastrous for this country they don't acknowledge it it, it they're so focused on how bad the democrats are they give no credit no credence to um mansion and cinema it's just, it's just amazing if you talk to cuz i have a friend who's far far right she she just will not listen to truth has nothing to do with it she hates Trump um, and and people that supported him. She thinks the January sixth is great, and we need to put, you know we need to put Trump in jail. Needs to be convicted. Doesn't care that there's any uh, due process. Doesn't care that there's no real evidence. She thinks they have tons of evidence. So I, and and I say to her, I said, well, if they have tons of evidence, then how come he hasn't been convicted? Because the Republicans kept him from getting convicted. Now, think about that. If he was truly guilty of crimes, why wasn't he convicted? Because the Republicans kept him from getting convicted? No, no. Because there wasn't evidence. (laughs) They did not have the evidence necessary to convict him. Um. And you got to remember the due process in this country is that they have to prove your guilt beyond the shadow of the doubt. And that's what we're going to talk about here as soon as I get through laying this out. I'm laying this out for you in a logical, argumentative form so you will better understand it. Now, you might be one of those people after you hear my argument and the way I've constructed it. You may just say to yourself, I don't care. I'm not going to, I don't believe that. This is what I believe. Well, you can believe whatever you want, but if your beliefs or assumptions or positions are not based upon truth, they have no value. And that's something else we're going to talk about. Um, so let me lay this out or so finish laying it out. One of the hallmarks in this country of our freedoms, one of the greatest things in comparison to other countries is the premise that a person is innocent until proven guilty proven guilty not assumed uh, <laughs> proven the way it used to work well the way it still works except in you know at, at times when justice is perverted um is well, it was like this if you are accused of a crime One, you got to face your accuser. Two, you had due process, which meant if you were accused of a crime, if they had sufficient circumstantial evidence, meaning they had enough evidence that indicated you might be guilty, might be. Maybe they had some witnesses or something. You would be arrested and charged with a crime, and a court date would be set. You would go before a judge with your defense attorney. There would be a prosecutor for the people, the state, who would have the charges against you. They would have their witnesses. They would have whatever so-called evidence they had or whatever. And they would be trying to prove your guilt. You or your defense attorney would have whatever witnesses you had, whatever evidence you had and he would be defending you against the charges. He would not be there to prove your innocence. This is an important thing for you to remember, if you don't know this, please listen up. Your defense attorney is not there to prove your innocence. He's there to ensure that you get due process of law to be protected from being incriminated. It's the job of the prosecutor and their people, to present enough evidence for examination so the jury can be, de- and you've heard this, have you watch watched frickin' Perry Mason, and all? have you ever watched any legal proceeding show? Well, at the end of the trial, when all the evidence has been put forth and all the witnesses have testified and all the BS is done, the jury of your peers, meaning 12 people, Go into a room and they examine the evidence and they discuss amongst themselves and they determine as a jury if the prosecution has proven your guilt beyond a shadow of a doubt. They don't go in there and decide whether or not you're innocent. And if you listen to the instructions, they will ask you to plead. They'll ask the person accused, how do you plead? Guilty or not guilty, they never say, "How do you plead guilty or innocent? yeah because it's not the accused's responsibility to declare their innocence or their guilt. It is the prosecution, the people who are who are bringing the charges against you and prosecuting you for these accusations. It's their job to prove your guilt, yeah. That's the whole thing. Keep those two things in mind. The prosecutor who is asserting these charges against you, his job is to prove your guilt beyond a shadow of a doubt. To a jury who decides if the evidence is sufficient to prove your guilt beyond a shadow of a doubt. The defense attorney is merely there to rebut the evidence or the witnesses that the prosecution provides to that way to illustrate to the jury, um, that the charges are false or the charges do not stand up. They do not. In other words, the charges do not, um, reflect guilt beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's what it's all about. So at the end, the jury will come out and the, um, And the judge will ask the jury, have you reached the decision? And the jury will say, yes, your honor, or they'll say, no, your honor. If they say yes, you'll say, and what is your decision? Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? And they will read from a piece of paper because they write it down. They will read, we find the defendant not guilty, or we find the defendant guilty. That is how it works if any component of the legal process is not there or it's misused then it was not a proper trial and i'm i'm laying all all this out because i'm going to i'm going to point something to you when i was talking to this friend of mine i was trying to get her to understand or you know to you know to examine the logic of her statements and that was she believes that trump should should be convicted and thrown in jail. But I said, But well, they didn't have enough evidence. And and then I said to her, um, don't you think that if a person is accused of a crime, there there should be a real trial? You know, that they should have and I laid out what I just told you, and she said, No. Because she believes he's guilty, she doesn't think he's uh, uh, well, because she thinks he's guilty, she doesn't think that he uh, qualifies for due process. And this is what I want you to consider. This is what I want you to really understand about what I'm telling you right now. There has been a, a, a concerted effort over time to change in the American people's minds um, what it means for due process, what it means to have due process. What I just described to you is how our constitutional system, judicial system works in this country. And I would say from the left, because if you look at it, this is mostly Democrats and people on the left, primarily. They have made efforts for political purposes. And this is all, I mean, I can give you example after example if you want it. But but you really should do your own research and so you can see it yourself. You should watch them on television and listen to what they say if you want to see it for yourself. Their efforts have been to remove due process as it is in this country as the constitution guarantees and that is they want they have been trying to get a process where if the accusation is so strong and I'm going to give you a couple of examples if the accusations are so strong and so terrible that you're not worthy of due process that by fiat you should be found guilty so instead of going through the constitutionally constitutionally guaranteed rights of due process and they've done this with FISA courts for instance and secret courts they want to skip the due process. Like I said, if the accusations are so heinous and if if the accusations uh I mean if it's just so monumental, so morally wrong, um with the frivolous I mean the most empty evidence they can gather, just just by their accusation you should you should be found guilty. Yeah. You shouldn't and the way they do it and the way they're proposing is that um if they accuse you and it's just so outrageously morally wrong that you should go instead of going before the judge and jury and prosecutor and all that stuff, you go before a, a body, a legislative body, not a judicial body, a legislative body who examines you and decides your guilt or innocence. It's fraudulent. It goes against the Constitution. That's why this January 6th hearing is all BS. It's all BS. It's all for show because they're trying to make him look guilty by the way they're doing things. It's not a a court. It's not a judicial proceeding. It's a committee hearing on the accusations of the January 6th, um, insurrection, as they call it, was no insurrection. It was, that's all BS. And it was constructed. They allowed it to happen. If you check the evidence, all the FBI agents and plants and people who were in the group inciting and encouraging, it was all constructed to make Donald Trump look bad, so they can try to keep him off the ballot in 2024. That's that was the whole. Just like the Russian collusion hoax, which has been proven false. And all the phone call and all I mean all the things that they have presented as evidence which have now been proven to be false. And the the impeachment process that they had, if you look at the whole thing, it goes against the very standards and precedent of the Senate and in the House. It goes against everything uh, and precedent on what it is, the uh, procedure for impeaching a president. It was outrageous. It was fortunate that Trump was not found guilty of the things they charged him because they didn't have the evidence. That's what I was trying to tell her. It was it was fortunate for Trump that the Republicans stood their ground because the they didn't have any evidence. It was all hearsay. It was all the you know, the steel dossier and all these people, just like that woman a few days ago who said that he tried to grab the steering wheel of the limousine and all this stuff. When they prove that in the limousine it's impossible to even get to the steering wheel from the compartment the president sits in. And then the Secret Service agents who were actually were in the vehicle with him who can testify that never happened. And the Secret Service agent Uh, Who said, who who the woman said told him this happened? So it's hearsay. Hearsay is not admissible in, in a court proceeding. So if you examine the evidence of the January 6th hearings, you examine the evidence of the impeachment processes that were brought against Donald Trump, there is not due process as afforded a person and a citizen by the Constitution of the United States. It's, it's somewhere like a, a Soviet show trial. But pushing that aside, what I want you to focus on more important is how it affects the citizens of this country. If there is not due process for political opponents in government, that's just conviction by fiat, we are in danger of the same thing. If we If an elected official, if a president, cannot get due process from the government, why would you suppose that you would be able to? And then even more than that, I would say the moral question. And the moral question is this, that we as individuals, as people, who understand, and a lot of people don't, Understand the processes, the Constitution. They don't understand the Bill of Rights. They don't read it. They just watch CNN or MSNBC or, or I'm I'm very critical of Fox News too. I think they they have de- degraded to less than what they used to be. They're becoming sensational. they're there used to be a time before you put a story in a paper or on the news, something you vetted it. You had sources, you verified just I mean you went through great great lengths to present something with the most evidence. they don't do that now they just whatever they hear whatever they say, whatever fits the narrative, whatever is supports their political party or su- supports their belief, they just put it out there like that woman testifying uh, for January 6 saying that Trump tried to grab the steering wheel and he did this and he did that. They had the hearing. It was all through the newspapers and on television and everything. They never mentioned. They never even checked with the Secret Service agents to see if this happened, see what they had to say about it. And they didn't even publish after the fact. Finally, some of them did a couple days later. But it took Secret Service agents coming forward and declaring they would be willing to testify that these things did not happen. So in other words, the January 6th hearing people call this witness who has all this inflammatory um, rhetoric, all all these accusations against the president. They call her to testify under oath, and she says all this stuff, but they never even contacted the Secret Service agents uh, to come and testify. And why didn't they? Well, one has to assume that they didn't want their testimony. <laughs> That's the only thing. Well, what could you assume? It'd be like if um, if somebody said, um, hey, you know, Johnny stole that, that basketball. And I said, really? Was there anybody there? Yeah. His two friends were there. So I say, okay, so you, you said he stole the ball. Yeah, okay, he stole the ball but I never go to the two friends that were there or two other people that were there. In other words, a person comes to me and accuses somebody and I just take their accusation as fact. And I don't even talk to other witnesses. I don't ask them any questions. That is not due process. Yeah, it's not. So a couple of days later, finally it hits the newspapers, finally hits the news outlets that there are secret service agents and the driver who would win Trump on that day, who are willing to testify under oath that this never took place. There's another man who she claims told him the story, who's willing to testify under oath that he never told her that story. He never talked to her. Yeah. Now what I'm trying to say to this, yes, is this my concerns somewhat Well, to a large extent, actually, in talking to you about this is to help you understand the process, the judicial process of a person who's accused of a crime in this country. That, yes, that's that's part of it, you know, major part of it. I want you and I explained to you earlier what the process is. It's important that you know the process and I want you to understand it. it's more important, almost paramount to my argument, that you understand the moral aspect of it. The moral aspect of accusing somebody um, and assuming, or, well, there's several parts to it. The accusing someone without evidence. Accusing someone and depriving them of due process. And accusing, or, or in other words, the third one is viewing somebody who's accused and judging them to be guilty so, solely on the accusation. Yeah. Um, there, in our day and age, the world is replete with examples. Um, where a woman accuses a man of touching her inappropriately 20 years ago. And he's automatically assumed to be guilty. Because on her accusation, he's guilty. No evidence. Yeah. 20 years ago. 20 years ago, she remembers all the things he did and blah, blah, blah. Well, Why the hell did she say something 20 years ago? Which is my question now. And people would say, that's wrong. Woman's traumatized. Let me tell you what. Accusing a man of something that happened 20 years ago with no evidence, traumatizes that man. Because you imagine a married man with children is accused of fingering a woman in her in his office 20 years ago, just on her statement, her accusation. No evidence, no witnesses. How do you think that man's wife feels about her husband? How do you think the kids feel when they hear about this from their friends? Yeah. How do you think the man feels if he's innocent? The fear that's inside, the the you know, just the depression of being accused of something you didn't do, and knowing that simply from the accusation, most people are gonna think you're guilty. Now people who know you and know you as a person might say that's how real he'd never do something like that. I don't care. I don't believe it but people don't really know you people who don't have any experience with you. Um, in the way every time you turn around, some woman's claiming a man did something to her. Those people would be inclined to say, especially if they didn't like him politically or otherwise, maybe he's a very rich man. So they're thinking, yeah, he's so rich you knew he could get away with it. They will immediately construct the a guilt within their minds. They'll, they'll immediately construct, um, that uh, he's guilty without any due process, no witnesses, no evidence that will say he he's probably guilty because he's rich or he's probably, he looks, you know, I've heard this one before, he looks like the kind of person who would do something like that or he went to such and such college um, and he was in the fraternity. So in other words, they will amass, evidence to support the accusation that doesn't exist the fact that he's a member of a fraternity that's like saying if you're a member of the catholic church and you're a priest you're a child you must be a child molester because men only become priests in the catholic church to molest children i've heard people say this to me no um, and i'll say what because i cannot believe that people put those those things together in their minds I actually had somebody tell me that, um, he said, yeah, you know, men men become priests in the Catholic Church so they can have access to boys. And I said, what? Like, that? I couldn't believe it. And they said, yeah. And I said, it happens in all churches, though. Well, yeah, that's what it is. And, you know, everybody in church who wants to have access to boys, that's what the men do. And I said, I said, you realize how stupid that sounds? I said, you don't have to join, I said, you don't have to become clergy to mess around with boys. I said, it happens in families all. I said, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I could not believe how stupid that statement was that men became priests in the Catholic Church just so they could molest boys. He said, no, oh, there's a code of silence. They can do all kinds of stuff, rape them and everything, and, and then the church will pay their legal bills. I said, and where is your evidence for that? He said, oh, look at the news. Look at all those priests and bishops that messed around with kids. I said, do you know how many priests there are in the Catholic church? Do you have any bishops and archbishops that are in the Catholic church? I said, there's thousands of those people. But see, that's how it works. There's an accusation. It's so morally objectionable. People will provide the evidence in their minds that satisfies them of the person's guilt. And that is why due process is essential. That's why innocence is presumed. Excuse me. Innocence is presumed. You're presumed to be innocent until you're proven guilty by a jury of your peers. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to get through to some people because they don't want to be gotten through. They want to feel nice and secure and comfortable in their own rationalizations. And that is one of the reasons that the Constitution is explicit in its its definition and its procedural, judicial procedural um means to to try a person on accusations to determine their guilt or innocence. And the language of guilty, not guilty, is because a person who is charged with a crime or accused of a crime does not have to prove their innocence. Their guilt has to be proven. And that was to secure the independence of a person who was innocent but was but had enough circumstantial evidence that it looked like he was guilty. Um, and that's why beyond the shadow of doubt, that's that's people don't understand how important it is to have that statement in there, to be proved beyond the shadow of a doubt. Because we as individuals, we as people, men and women, we have a component within this that causes us to be prejudicial. Against people uh, who are accused of crimes, if the crime is just incredibly morally objectionable rape, murder, things like that those types of crimes. Uh, abusing the spouse. I know if I was on a jury, I'd send his ass away. Uh, a man who abused his wife, beat her, you know, was very abusive. Yeah, I'd want to send them away, too. But if the evidence does not support the accusations, it's morally wrong for me to sit on there and check the box guilty. I have to know in my heart, without my prejudices against men who are abusive to women, that that man is guilty. That's the way the system works. And the system is designed to keep us from being prejudicial. Now, yes, there are some people that are prejudicial and they don't give a damn. Um, there were men who beat their wives who are on trial and there's a man sitting in the jury box who's a wife beater who says, you know, uh, his wife just didn't, didn't do what he told her to do. You know, she's just one of those freaking women living off men. So he decides that he's not going to find the man guilty, even though he knows the man's guilty. He knows he is because he's just like that man. He says not guilty. He, he refused to steal, So they have a hung jury. Refuses to yield. So when people are saying, look at all this evidence, look at the bruises, look at doctor reports, he goes, I don't give a damn. I bet you she did it to herself. And he's doing it because he's a wife feeder. So there are times where the judicial system fails us, not because the system is, is not constructed you know, well, it's not well constructed. It's because the individuals participating in the system The people responsible for upholding the standards of the system decide for themselves how it's going to work. That's what it fails us. The institution doesn't fail us. The people fail the system. Yeah. Um, very disturbing to me, people who accuse people and people who conclude the person's guilt without due process. I give the benefit of the doubt. I never accuse people. If you know me as an individual, you'll say, yeah, it's true. I never hear George accusing people of anything because I don't. I don't have the right to accuse you of something unless I have the evidence to back up the accusation. And then if I have an accusation and I have the evidence, then I present it through due process. That's it. For instance, so if I hear that somebody did something. Well, typically most people don't talk to me with gossip. Sometimes people gossip with me, meaning they're telling me gossip and I'm quick to tell them, you know, well, what are you going to do about it? What do you mean? I said, well, you know, you just told me he's screwing around on his wife. You're going to go tell her. Oh, hell no. I'm not going to do that. And I said, but how do you know he's screwing around on his wife? Well, you know, I saw him talking to this woman, they were laughing, they're in the parking lot in the parking lot. You know, and this is a true story. I had one tell me, he said, Yeah, I think I think so and so's got a girlfriend. And this is how innocent I am, believe it or not. I'm pretty innocent. I said, But he's married like that. And they said, Oh come on, George, I'm I know he's married. I'm just telling you, I think he's got a woman on the side. And I know the guy he was talking about, so I said no, I don't think. I said, no, no, not him. I said, he's crazy about his wife. He said, oh, yeah, well, I saw him in the parking lot talking to a woman and they were laughing and, you know, you could tell they're really into each other. And I said, they were in a parking lot, like out in the freaking broad open in a parking lot like that at Walmart. I said, but they were talking. I said, well, that's not proof that he's got some girlfriend or something. Said, oh, no, they're laughing and leaning back and forth. They weren't touching, they weren't hugging, they weren't kissing, they were doing nothing but talking in the parking lot. And then it comes out that the woman uh, was wearing one of those tops from Walmart. And I said, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, cut the BS. I said he was laughing and talking to a freaking Walmart employee in the parking lot at Walmart. See, this this is how you examine evidence. If, and I've seen this in parking lots, I said, well, if he would have been like hugging her with his hand down the back of her pants, grabbing her rear end and biting her on the neck, I'd say, yeah, there's something going on there. But I said, listen to yourself. You saw him in a parking lot talking to a woman who was wearing one of those tops. She was obviously a Walmart employee. I said maybe they were. She helped him or getting the card. Or I said so maybe they just talked about stuff and they were. He, you know, she told him a joke or he told her a joke and they were just enjoying the conversation. But see, that's how. And this is why I say it's so important. He was accusing a friend of mine because he knows the guy. He's supposed to be his friend too. Accusing him of having a relationship with a woman on the flimsiest of evidence but under examination and he had a clue he said well you know it looked bad to me i said they weren't they weren't touching they weren't embracing he wasn't no physical contact i said she's wearing a a, a frock for a walmart frock or top she's an employee and they're in a parking lot yeah so the thing was he said well I don't know, it just looked bad to me. Well, look, okay, that's and this is my point. It looked bad to him, but in the examination the evidence gave the impression that there was nothing bad going on. There was no girlfriend, none of that stuff. But in his mind, he was able to conclude that he was having an affair. That's why due process is so important to remove our prejudices. And to give an individual the presumption of innocence upon circumstantial evidence. We have a moral obligation as individuals, and it's in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not bear false witness. People don't really understand what that means. False witness is is concluding the guilt of someone without the evidence. Or misrepresenting them on purpose; those two things. We have a moral obligation as an individual, several moral obligations which I'll enumerate. First and foremost, we have a moral obligation to be honest, to be truthful, to you know, to suppress our prejudices and look for the evidence. And if the evidence does not support the accusation, we keep our mouth shut. That's number one. Number two as citizens of the country. We have a moral obligation to uphold the standards of the Constitution and the judicial processes of this country. And we do not have the right. We have the right to think whatever we want, but we do not have the right as citizens of this country to excise due process um, You know, from our shies, I'm trying to do this right. In other words, we don't have the right to deny somebody due process simply because we believe they're guilty. We don't have the right to accuse somebody just because we think they're guilty of a crime. If we are a witness to a crime, yes, we have the right and we have the obligation um, to testify, but we only have the right to testify to what we saw, not what we think is true, but what we know is true. So for instance, uh, with, with like my friend, um, you know, who was telling me about this other friend of ours and that woman in the parking lot, he does not have the right to say, well, yeah, I saw him laughing and joking in the parking lot. Um, and I think that, I think they were into each other. I think they had something going. No, that's not admissible testimony. That would be objected to in a in a moment. His obligation is to testify to what he saw. So his testimony would be like, well, I saw Joe Blow talking to a woman in the parking lot. A good defense attorney would say, and how was the woman dressed? Well, she was wearing a Walmart top. Um, now, he's not going to say, was she... The defense attorney is not going to say was she an employee of walmart because he doesn't know she's an employee of walmart all he knows is that she's wearing the top that walmart employees wear so when this is why it's so important to examine evidence because he would in a prejudicial statement he would say yeah she was a walmart employee and then the defense would say objection because he doesn't know if she's an employee he just He just knows that she's wearing the top, the floral frog. Our obligation is to just testify of what we know to be true. And what we know to be true is that she's wearing the top of a Walmart employee. We don't know what she is. So it's not true if we say she's a Walmart employee. And I think that for a person who understands these things and a person who has morality an honest person, would immediately know what to say and what not to say. An honest person would be neutral. Even if they thought the man was guilty of cheating on his wife, he doesn't have the evidence that he's cheating on the wife. All he has the evidence of is that he saw this person talking to a woman in the parking lot who was wearing a Walmart frock and they were laughing and and appearing to have a Enjoying each other's company. That is all, that's the evidence. Saw so him in a parking lot, blah, 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 blah. Not that, you know, she's a Walmart employee because there's no evidence. He has no, you know, there's no indication he has that knowledge just by seeing him in the park. That is what's most important. We, we do not allow our prejudices to enter into our testimony. Yeah. That we do not allow our prejudices. To determine a person's innocence or guilt simply because of our perceptions, our feelings, our experiences. It's so important. That's why my kids, anybody who knows me will tell you that I never accuse anybody until I have the evidence. And the evidence I wait for is evidence beyond the shadow of a doubt. I never want to accuse anybody of anything and I never want to be accused of anything. Now I've been accused of things before. Um, like like a, a guy I worked with who was, who didn't like me. He just didn't like me uh, who was spreading rumors and stuff. And I was brought into it. They brought both of us. It was pretty cool in a way, but the one was in the air force and they brought both of us in the office and started grilling. Uh, and he was very, the guy doing it was very good. He He said, um, he came to me and told me you were doing such and such and such and such. I couldn't believe it. Um, but he did it in front of, he got us both in there. So I faced my accuser and he said to me, um, I brought you in here with him because he, he told me that you did blah, blah, blah. And I don't even it's been so many years ago. I was in the air force a long time ago. And I remember listening and I thought, what the hell is this BS? Cause it was, it was just a lie. He had made this stuff up. He was mad at me, didn't like me, and I wasn't kind of a smart ass, but um so he he said these things. You know, I think I think Sergeant Holden, that's how he told me and to say, I know, he said I think. So this person did the right thing. He brought me in so I could face the my accuser. So anyway, so when he said this, I said, Well, that, that's not true. I didn't call him a liar. I said, uh that's not true. So he's saying, so he said, so you're saying that what he told me isn't true. And I said, yes, it's not true. Yeah. And then he told us, uh, it was as funny as he told us to leave. Now, I don't know if he talked to him later on one-on-one, but when I made that declaration, he was convinced I was telling the truth. So he just told us to leave. Yeah. Uh, right after I said, that's not true. I didn't say he's a liar and all that. I just said, oh, that's not true. I didn't do those things. He said, okay. He said, you both can leave. There you go. Um, I think I've covered it quite, quite thoroughly. It's not even, well, let me close it by saying this. I'm not saying these things to you um, because I want to convince you that you need to be supportive of um, what I'm saying to protect yourself against being falsely accused. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not. It's to me, that it would be an insult if you thought that's what I was saying to you because it's stupid. It's very stupid. What I'm saying to you is to help you understand the morality of the responsibility to, to not accuse falsely to not accuse and seek someone's guilt out of the accusation. I'm trying to present the morality of you're not accusing, uh, not assuming guilt because of an accusation somebody makes. The morality of supporting the judicial processes of this country and the presumption of innocence until guilt is proven. I'm trying to, I'm appealing to you from the moral standpoint of the responsibility you have to other people, which in turn protects you. Because now in this day and age, um, people, a large number of people accept a person's guilt based on the accusation or the flimsiest, most circumstantial evidence. When the person can say somebody, well, like Adam Schiff, when Adam Schiff can say, we have witnesses that Donald Trump did this, that, and the other thing, but he doesn't tell you who the witnesses are. He doesn't show you what the evidence is, but he tells you it's coming. Um, You just need to trust him. Just need, need, you know, need to trust me. I'm telling you these things. So simply on his statements, you're supposed to conclude that Donald Trump is guilty. It's wrong. Even if Donald Trump is guilty, he still deserves, as every citizen does, due process. The right to face your accuser. The right to you know, trial by jury. I mean, there's many rights you have as a citizen, the right to not testify. You can refuse to testify. You can refuse to give a statement to the police. You have a lot of rights in this country to protect your innocence from being falsely accused of a crime. That's what it's all about. You being protected. So if you are innocent, they have to prove your guilt so if you're innocent they're not able to prove your guilt that's how the judicial system is constructed with those uh, protections of a person's innocence but if we allow accusation to be evidence which is what is happening now you know a morally objectionable accusation is are uh, is assumed to be evidence because It's so bad. A man accused of raping a woman. Raping a woman is so terrible. The fact that he's being accused of it, he must be guilty. He must be, because nobody would accuse somebody of rape unless the person did it. That type of mindset is beyond dangerous. It's morally wrong, but it's beyond dangerous. Because what it does, if that type of Procedure or system is adopted as being acceptable. Nobody is safe from being convicted of a crime they didn't commit, and that is what is most important. As the saying goes, it's better that a guilty man go free than an innocent man be convicted. There's truth to that. All right, I've given you enough. I've given you two, almost a freaking hour. I gotta, I gotta cut this thing off. Think about this before you start accusing people or concluding people are guilty of something that has not been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt or something that doesn't have the evidence. I would say if you want to be safe and you want to be within compliance, don't get caught up in the BS. Wait for the evidence. Make your decision after. If you're so tied into this Trump collusion BS or this January 6th or whatever it is that's being, um, you know, broadcasted by the news. If you really are that type of a person who's in that, into that kind of stuff, my suggestion to you would be this. Wait until it's all over. Yeah. Then make your decision. And even then, if you're really into this crap, look at the procedures, look at the evidence, look at everything and see if the person, whether it's Trump or anybody else, see if they were afforded due process of the law. Or was it some frickin' congressional committee put together by, you know, one party to try to give the appearance of guilt of the person that they're examining, yeah. Okay, that's it, that's all you're gonna get, goodbye.